Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Diva Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Neha, and I'm really excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about self-love and self-confidence as a woman of color. And today I am joined by two guests, Chanel Thavaraja and Natasha Goyle, who will be speaking about their own experiences. So thank you guys so much for joining me today on this episode. Um, so the reason I wanted to dedicate an episode to this podcast is because the reality is that women of color do face specific challenges when it comes to self-love and self-confidence that I feel are worth discussing. When I say women of color, I do mean all women of color, but in this particular episode, I'd like to specifically discuss the experience of South Asian women in our society. Obviously, as an Indian woman myself, this is the only experience I can speak to, but the reason I want to have this discussion is because I feel it gets a lot less media attention, um, if any media attention at all, and I just think it's worth talking about. Um, as South Asian women, the three of us who grew up in predominantly white demographics, I think we have a very unique experience that was certainly damaging at times to our self-confidence and self-worth. And I think it's important to talk about it because I feel like that's how we heal. And of course, our experiences have shaped us into the women that we are today. And it's good to recognize that and be grateful for that as well. Um, but my hope is that if there are any like South Asian girls out there, or honestly, like any women of color out there who are experiencing this and maybe feel isolated or don't have someone to relate to about this, that somehow by the grace of the universe, they find this podcast and maybe it helps to heal them. So in a nutshell, that's why I wanted to make this episode of the podcast. So we'll just get right into it. Um, Chanel, I'm going to start with you. So if you just want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and your background, that'd be awesome. And then we can get into some deeper questions. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm Chanel. I'm 23. Um, currently, I live in Denver, Colorado, South Denver, so not like in the city, but um, I live here. I'm doing my master's in environmental bio. Um, I did my undergrad in Guelph, Ontario, so I came to Canada for four years. I'm a dual citizen, um, but I grew up mostly in the U.S. Um, I just came to Canada for school um, and I was born there, but yeah, that's about it. I obviously live, I live in um, South Denver and my district that I'm in is pretty red, so not a lot of <laughs> Democrats around here. <laughs> um, we have our like circle of people that are, but um, yeah, so this neighborhood that I live in currently is like pretty white I'm definitely the minority here um yeah that's about it do you want to tell everyone like sort of just a little bit of background on what your ethnicity is oh yeah yeah um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um I am a Sri Lankan both my parents um were born in Sri Lanka and they moved to Canada um they were both refugees in the Sri Lankan civil war so that's kind of how I came to Canada and then I was born there and then we moved to the states Right. Awesome. Okay. And Natasha, I'll actually ask you if you want to give a little spiel about yourself first as well. And then, um, and then I'll get into some questions with Chanel. Sure. Hi, I'm Natasha. Um, I am 26 and I was also born in the States, um, but then I moved to Canada quite young and 
I am a master, no, I just finished my master's, I guess, at mm -hmm. University of Tr Toronto in human geography. Um, but I mostly grew up in this like little, like it's called a hamlet on the website called Utopia. It's a real place. Um, it's just, <laughs> and then it's, um, and it's predominantly white. I think like on the website, it says there's a hundred people, but I feel like there's more than that now. Um, and then <laughs> we did move around a lot. And so I did end up growing up in this sort of smaller white town, but also more predominantly white countries like in, in Europe and Australia. And um, I went to school in sort of like the surrounding cities, which were more predominantly white and one of them being Barrie, which is like, I guess a more well-known city. And I think that's like 85 or 90% white at this point. Um, right. I'm also South Asian. Uh, my parents were both born in India. My dad did grow up in Guelph as well. So I feel like I'm like sort of a first generation, but also like, like it's kind of more complicated because my dad did sort of grow up here as well. Um, right yeah awesome awesome thank you um okay so we're just gonna get into this I'm just gonna um give you a list of the questions and then Chanel you can sort of answer them however you see fit um so the questions that I have for both of you are how did growing up as a minority in a predominantly white demographic impact you growing up and how did it influence the way that you viewed yourself in your youth how are you healing from that now in adulthood? What are some things that still make you feel insecure? And how have you come to feel comfortable in your own skin? So Chanel, if you wanna go ahead and attack those questions, go for <laughs> it. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I feel like um, growing up, I didn't really know, like, I didn't really know that there was, like, a difference until, like, someone, until it gets, like, pointed out to you, I feel like, so, right, the, first, the like, earliest memory that I have is, like, in fourth grade, I had just moved to Colorado, so I lived in Florida before I lived in Colorado, and, like, obviously, I was young, like, I, like I said, I moved here in, like, fourth grade, so, um, and I remember I was in this class, and obviously, I didn't know anyone, um, because there wasn't, like, I moved, like, I think, second week of school or something so it was a bit late um and this girl after our math test she was like talking to her friends and she was like I don't know she's like no one be friends with her because she's brown and that Ugh. I think like shook me because I just I had just moved there like I don't think I experienced like any types of racism like on my own you know like I think mm -hmm. sometimes it gets affected like through your family you hear it through your family but not like by yourself mm -hmm. and so that was like the earliest memory I think that I have of like me by myself navigating that like kind of call out and like right. oh like you're not white <laughs> um and I told I obviously told my mom this and I was in mm -hmm. fourth grade so the teacher set up a literal meeting and it was so awkward because like you know like we're fourth graders um and like basically like forced her to, <laughs> to apologize to me and it was like she was just like sorry and she was definitely like mad that like I said something about it mm -hmm. and we weren't friends after that um she voted for Trump the first time so I mean <laughs> but it's fine um so yeah I mean that was a first the earliest memory um and then I mean I think I just was aware of the fact that I was like different in color than everyone else and I didn't have many, I didn't have any brown friends, to be honest, like, I think my mom tried to, like, um, make me mingle with people <laughs> that were brown, but it never really stuck, because I didn't have any, 
um, people that were Sri Lankan. Um, I, I only speak English, so I feel like I was excluded in that, like culturally in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have like a good group of friends. It's not like I like was like an outcast. Like I had a group of friends. They just weren't. Um, they couldn't relate to me on that level of like being colored Mm -hmm. and so it was really hard I felt like it wasn't a conversation that I had with many people until actually I came to Canada and like mingled with people that were colored because it was just it ended up being common ground um but yeah so then I went to middle school pretty soon after that um and in middle school I was very (laughs) outgoing I'm not as outgoing and as I was in middle school but Mm-hmm. I remember there was this group of guys and they kept calling me a chemical, a chemical. It's like, so my name is Chanel, <laughs> but they were calling me chemical, which is like a nickname, was a nickname. And then my friend who was happening, like, she was like seeing this guy um, in that group. And she was like, do you know like what that means? And I was like, no, I just, they've been calling me. And I just like kind of let it go. And she was like, it means like chemical burn victim because like of my skin, because I was so different. Yeah. And like, obviously um that's awful yeah it's not great (laughs) it's not great (laughs) yeah um and I yeah it's just one of those things you know and then you're like I feel like you're overly like aware of it and so it becomes something that you think about absolutely because you're not like oh like you worry that people are thinking about it and I feel like that stresses me out still as an adult Mm -hmm. um I'm trying to think of what other questions you asked. Oh, yeah. And like, I've had people tell me like, oh, I'm not interested in, or like, I'm not interested in brown girls or like that, those types of things. And then it makes you like, even, it's like even worse. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I am brown in a predominantly white neighborhood. I'm already aware of it, but I'm like, now I'm worried about like, oh, are people going to like, like me because I'm brown? And I think that's ridiculous to have to worry about, but it like, because I've heard it, like I do worry about it. Um, So it is stressful. And it sucks sometimes, but I found that me living in a pretty diverse place helped me like living in Guelph where I feel like it was really culturally accepting. And I saw a lot more people that looked like me was very helpful because it's just like your surroundings. You don't feel as like, um, just like such an outcast kind of, and it's not, it's not outcast and like, oh, I can never make friends, but like they were just, it's like situationally like if someone like brings up your race or I I can give an example like I was hanging out with a bunch of people and I talk pretty fast which you can probably tell already but um I talk fast and so this guy we were in like a group and this guy was like oh are you speaking Sri Lankan (laughs) and I was like what I was like what do you mean and he was like he was like why are you talking he was like why are you speaking Sri Lankan you're probably talking about how you hate all the white people here and I was like I like had a significant other at the time my partner like didn't say anything he was just like oh like this is what she said and he was like he was like why are you talking Sri Lankan and all this stuff and I just felt like like that totally did not need to be a thing like absolutely yeah it did not add to the conversation whatsoever Mm -hmm. and it was just a way to make me feel like an outcast and that was a conversation I had to have with my partner after I was like listen like that made me really uncomfortable like I did not like being in that situation because I just felt like it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with the fact that I was brown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it had nothing to, like if a white person had like spoken fast, you would have been like, whoa, 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 what did you say? You were talking too fast. Yeah. It would have had nothing to do with anything else. Um, and so like that was a, that's a situation where like I had to like think about who I was with, why I was feeling that way. 
and it made me feel like I was the odd one out and it sucked right. like and it's something that I think about often like in my circles and stuff like that um because if people are making you feel like that you probably like either should call them out on it or just remove yourself right um, so yeah what are the what are some of the other questions you said so I can remember <laughs> um how are you healing from it now in adulthood what are some things that still make you feel insecure how have you come to feel more comfortable in your own skin okay yeah those are good um healing from it now I still am I feel like mm-hmm. confidence is a problem because I think of like what people are thinking of me and that's something I'm still working through now but it definitely helps to talk to people that are colored about it um it also helps to talk to like my white friends about it of course but I just feel like women of color typically understand the struggles or like not even just women of color just like anyone that's colored kind of gets it feeling like that especially growing up in predominantly white like neighborhoods or areas mm-hmm. um a way to work on it like is kind of just you kind of have to like force yourself to be unapologetically yourself and that's really hard if people have knocked you down before I feel like mm-hmm. um, because you really do have to force yourself to like not think about those things mm-hmm. and just accept that like you will attract the people that you're meant to like be with in your circle um, right I'm trying to think um how my work, uh, self-confidence is a struggle for me still. Um, <laughs> talking about it helps. Podcasts help, like, listening to, like, books, reading things. I've also, like, completely changed my, like, the people that I follow on Instagram. So, like, I'm seeing more, like, colored women, colored people on my mm-hmm. Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. Um, because social media can be really hard if you're comparing yourself. Right. Um, and I typically, like, I feel like I care less about men's opinions of me like when I'm dating I always worry like oh are they not interested in brown girls or they don't like how I look especially like you know obviously living in a white neighborhood like I kind of am the odd one out I would say on the apps like I think Colorado is like 85 percent white so it's hard mm-hmm. um and I try to not worry about that kind of thing because if you think about it if I'm worrying about that it's kind of pointless because I'm not going to change anyone else's opinion of me. So I just kind of have to be myself. And again, like I will attract who I attract and those people right. are probably the people that I'm meant to like surround myself with anyways. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's a really great attitude to have because it is tricky sometimes when I feel like, especially when you're growing up, you don't even really notice that you're different until someone points it out. And then the more people point it out, the more you kind of feel like, okay, like people really do see me as different. And it's kind of hard to bounce back from that and be like, okay, well, you know what? I am different and that's okay. And I love myself anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it is a tricky thing for sure. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to add before we... um, go over to Natasha's experience no I think that's it okay um well we will have a group discussion at the end anyway so we'll be able to like dive into that a bit more um Natasha would you like to do you want me to repeat the questions uh no I think it's okay I think like okay okay go ahead 
Thanks. Um, well, first of all, like Chanel, thanks for like sharing all those experiences. And I feel like a lot of those resonate with me. Um, and it's just like so frustrating that those are like things that we have to um, like work through um, even like in our twenties. Um, I think for me growing up in predominantly white areas um, and also just having like moved around a lot and sort of having to keep reliving that experience of trying to make myself fit in really did impact me as a youth and like still does today. Um, I feel like I really soaked all those parts of me that make me unique and like shame and like rejected those parts of me and like rejected my cultural identity, my family's traditions and like the color of my skin and hair. And I was like, always just like, I know a lot of like um, Indian women have these experiences of like wanting to lighten their hair and skin. And I mm -hmm. feel like I definitely like wanted to bleach my skin. My mom was like, no, I want to like bleach my arm hair. My mom was like, no, my mom didn't let me do any of these things, which is great. I'm glad, <laughs> but I did always like put like lemon juice in my hair. And like, I did try like all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like that was definitely one experience. Um, and I was also just so embarrassed about being Indian because I really was the only I think definitely throughout um, my primary school years I definitely would have been the only person of color in my schools and I feel like it was just I just shrunk myself so small because I was so obsessed with the idea of fitting in and being accepted and I feel like socially that made me do things that were unkind at times or like treat others in ways that were unkind just so I could fit in um, or like people would make like racist jokes and say that they didn't apply to me. And I feel like at that time I would feel so much relief that I wasn't being like rejected. I um, mean, looking back, that obviously makes me feel so, so sad because it just goes against everything that I would believe in. Um, mm. I don't have like distinct, there were definitely times people would make fun of me. I definitely remember being made fun of for like having hair on my face and just like normal. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that was a big one when I was younger. That was a thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You can relate. laughs> yeah, but I would like go home and like cry to my mom and be like, please fix this. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't have many, I feel like when we lived in Australia, that was sort of when I experienced more explicit bullying. Um, but I genuinely was liked and I, I, but I think that I didn't feel that way. And that was the main issue where there was just this whole part of me that I had rejected and I had grown to hate that part of me. Mm -hmm. And it was just so, so, so internalized that it didn't even matter that people did like me and that I was included because I didn't feel that way. Like I was just always, I was living in my own like internal universe. Um, mm -hmm. At some point it felt like I had like a secret life at home. Like I never wanted people to come over because I was so embarrassed about everything that was different about right. me. Mm -hmm. And the only way I had to cope with this was to sort of like just completely separate myself from this. Like I just acted like everything that was Indian about me wasn't a part of me at all. Mm -hmm. And we weren't super like, we didn't have like, we're not like a very like religious family or anything. And we didn't have like that many traditions, but there were like certain things, like just even the things we ate or mm -hmm. like the music we listened to at some times. Um, mm -hmm. It just felt so embarrassing. Um, and I feel like I remember just feeling proud when people would call me a coconut or like an Oreo. Like, I don't know what else people like use now. Um, yeah, I've been called both for sure. Yeah, and like now I would be so, so mad if someone felt yeah. <laughs> But at the time I was like, I, it felt like I had like succeeded in tricking people, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm. And I think that all that level of shame that I've carried with me has really, did really stunt my self-esteem and confidence. Um, I always felt like people were just like making fun of me behind my back or like think just like exactly what Chanel was saying, just like always thinking that other people are thinking about how different you are. Um, and I feel like it turned into something that impacted my interpersonal relationships where like when I did get more attention from 
from white people, I felt like I should be like grateful for it. And I was always like really scared of losing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was the foundation of my like relationships for a long time. Um, I do think that like this sort of like rejection of your culture, like this really intense rejection is unique to people who kind of grow up in like small white towns Mm -hmm. um, because Mm -hmm. there was no one there for me to relate to. Like when you grow up in more diverse spaces, it's likely that you'll have like a community of Indians. And there's obviously the issue of like, you might not fit in with them because you might not be Indian enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You still have like people around you that like eat the same foods as you, watch the same things as you at home, like listen to the same music as you. And I feel like it just like serves as some sort of reminder that you're like not an alien. Um, I just didn't have that at all. Like I didn't have, I hadn't met like another, I mean, other than like people in our family, like I hadn't really met another Indian person. Um, and I think that, I think the first time that I realized this was when I, when I was on exchange, like probably when I was like 22 or 23, I think it was like, I was living in France and I just like experienced so much racism in France, of course. Um, and I was just so angry and I remember just like reading an article and realizing it was talking about all these things about like just sort of rejecting pieces of yourselves to fit in Mm -hmm. um and I remember just feeling so angry that this is exactly what I had done and that I was always still going to experience racism but it didn't matter that like I had like westernized myself so much like I was still going to experience racism um and then I think just like going into like sort of how this has like how I've worked through this as an adult I think the rest of my 20s um were really about like reclaiming those pieces of myself that I had just like completely rejected and sort of unpacking the shame that I had like built up. Um, It still definitely impacts my self-confidence. I still like struggle with feeling like I'm not worthy of taking up space. I struggle with an obsession of like wanting to feel normal. I still worry when I'm like dating that there's all these like parts of me and baggage that comes with being a woman of color and that I'll be rejected for them. Mm-hmm. I feel like like my last relationship I like made my partner watch um Hassan Minhaj's Homecoming King because I was like this is like the best way for me to explain myself like it's like am I always gonna have to do that like maybe um but I think it's still definitely an ongoing journey and I feel like my self-love is tested all the time particularly when I'm dating um but I do think the ways that I've grown to accept myself or like work towards that have come in like two big waves and I think the first one really came out of a love and appreciation for the unique experiences that I've had Mm -hmm. and how those experiences allow me to connect with others and uplift others Um, like mostly through my activism through my writing and my work I've learned that I have to love my skin because all those things that I've pushed away like all those Mm -hmm. things that make me unique are the things that also provide me with empathy and the ability to be a valuable ally to the communities that I want to help out Mm -hmm. and so I think that those experiences really 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 are a gift and I would never want to trade them um and I did see there's like a Mindy Kaling episode uh, like a Mindy project episode not Mindy Kaling um where basically she um is just like very frustrated with like white man privilege especially in like the job market and she like wishes that she would wake up a white man and she does um And like, she just like, you know, she like experiences all these privileges, but at the end of the day, she says that like, she's grateful that she's a woman of color because she is able to empathize with others. And like, she has these unique experiences that allow her to be the kind of person that she wants to be and like uphold her own values. And I feel like that was very, very powerful for me where I was like, that is exactly like how, that is like the perfect avenue for me to like learn to love my own experiences. 
Um, I think more recently, I've also like started feeling like, um, like learning to love myself through like food and sort of like also through like yoga and sort of more spiritual practices, because Mm -hmm. I think those are, I think when my grandmother died, I felt really sad that I didn't but I didn't like value all the things that she had to offer me in terms of like our culture and like like Indian food like there's just like a wealth of like incredible Indian food like recipes right. that I had just like never asked her for like never yeah. talked to her about like breathing meditation like those were all gifts that like mm-hmm. she could have imparted on me and I never asked because I was like embarrassed and didn't care about our culture and I think that that was just like so much grief and I realized that now as I'm trying to like sort of make more Indian food and like enjoy like our spices and smells and like colors of our dishes and like it makes me so happy because I feel like those are things that I am more proud of now and like it really they really are gifts and especially like also like yoga and meditation like those are ours like those are Indian practices and like I want to be able to like reclaim those and I think that's like sort of where my like self-love is like starting to come from now just like enjoying the things my own experiences and like the things that are like mine to start Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. um yeah I think like another like a good role model for that has been Padma Lakshmi as well like I feel like she's just this like really 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 awesome like Indian woman she's a chef and she just like loves food so much and just watching her enjoy her own like dishes and food and culture has been like really inspiring for me Mm -hmm. um yeah I think it is really important to have that sort of inspiration as well um I was just talking to Chanel about this how we don't like as South Asian women we don't have a lot of positive female role role models to like look up to really other than like Mindy Cowling and like Ruby Kaur and what that girl's name that you said that I don't remember what her name is now um Padma yeah I got her yeah her oh Padma Lakshmi yeah yeah I've never heard of her but um but yeah like it's just I think that's why representation is so important um Ruby Core actually has like a a little like poem about that in her book um but yeah yeah that makes sense it really is and also like I think valuable representation like not just like I know I don't know you probably all watch like Indian matchmaking like I remember someone wrote an article about how it's like so frustrating that we never get to watch Indians just like being normal on TV like it's always right. about, like complicated things like we're all like messes we all like like why can't we also just like enjoy our lives and like be on like The Bachelor you know like why do we have to be on right. like, matchmaking <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like South Asians are often like the butt of the joke kind of thing like I feel like that's often how they're represented in the media and I think that's also like why we're so embarrassed about it it's because like we don't see them as like you know like strong role models to like look up to like we see them as like embarrassments and I think that's a huge part of why we we rejected our own culture so furiously um because we didn't want to be associated with that um and like yeah I mean and yeah, I think everything you said, like you just put it really perfectly. Um, and thank you so much for sharing, um, for sharing that. I definitely resonate with, with everything that you guys have said. And for me personally, I found that at a young age, I was definitely fearful 
of identifying with my culture out of fear of being ridiculed and judged, especially as a young child, you obviously you fear rejection more than like anything else. Um, and that caused me to try and be like as white as possible, like you said, and like completely dissociate from my culture during my youth. Um, and then as I, and like you said, like I would literally be proud to be called like a coconut or an Oreo, which is so <laughs> stupid. But like, literally I'd be like, like I'd like when people would call me it, I'd like get mad, but low key I'd be like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a secret when you're like, you're like, you can't say that, but then all, but ultimately you're like quite happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of messed up. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like I was definitely, you know, like I just absolutely wanted to reject like all parts of my culture. Like I just found it so embarrassing. And um, but then obviously as I got older, slowly I like built the confidence to just be myself. And now in adulthood, I'm finding that I'm trying to reconnect with it, but it's hard because I don't really know how to identify with it anymore. Um, and I feel like that's how we sort of come to this kind of identity crisis in our adulthood where we don't know what to identify with and we sort of have to like carve out our own identity from what we have because like like you said like we spent our like a whole youth rejecting this part of ourselves like this huge part of our identity and then in adulthood we like try and reclaim those parts of ourselves but it's kind of hard when you you know when you've been looking at it a certain way for a while and like I feel like for me definitely like it was when I it was when I was in university and I met more people of color like Chanel and like you know I had like I had a group of like literally all colored friends yeah. and for the <laughs> first time ever 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 mm -hmm. and oh my god like I just felt like such relief to like be around like people who are like you oh my god like it was just like that sense of like belonging that was like missing your whole life you know yeah it's so comforting and I feel like it's like that's why like I value urban spaces so much because I feel mm -hmm. like you do really just like connect with so many people around you and realize that like your experience is like one of so many <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's so it's so so comforting yeah I feel like it really is it is wild how like in these small towns, like we can just like be, I think Guelph is a little bit better than Barry, hundred percent. Um, and yeah, like, there is, absolutely. Like, <laughs> there's like a lot of shifts of immigration now. Like there's a lot of like Indians moving into Barry as well. And so like mm -hmm. the dynamics will shift throughout time, but um, it was really, it's very jarring for someone to grow up in that space. <laughs> it is and like yeah like you said like Guelph is definitely not as bad as Barry at all like not at all but like definitely like I can I mean I can still like absolutely resonate with you guys on like what you said like I was never like the only brown person like in high school or whatever but it was just like there was still like not a lot of us and you know it's like you kind of know where you stand as a brown person and I don't know um so like, like you said, like you kind of try and make yourself as like small as possible. Um, yeah, it's so sad. It and really as white really as is. possible. Yeah. And like, you know, like it's sad, like hearing like hearing a member of my own family say to me, like, I wish I was white. And like my life would be so much easier if I was white. Like that's really heartbreaking. And like, you know, like that's something a lot of us 
have to sort of deal with girl like when you grow up in like the circumstances that we did um yeah yeah and it is really hard too it's like I feel like I don't know if you've had this experience it's like I know you've spent more time in India than I have but I find that now I'll talk to a lot of like because everyone's so in love with traveling to India now um mm -hmm. I'll find that it's just like even when I'm dating and stuff like guys will always be like oh my god like I went to India like I went backpacking I did a meditation retreat there and stuff <laughs> and it's like such a weird thing for me because it's a country that like I don't know much about like I'm right. not experienced and I'm like like just like feeling so many weird things <laughs> like I don't even know what mm -hmm. to say mm -hmm. but it's like also like you've like they've obviously like romanticized a place um but it's hard yeah it's not even a country that like I have really been to um so it does it does make me uncomfortable like there are like other people who like know it better than me and like just because right. my skin is brown like doesn't mean that I'm like right a representation of India so it is a strange thing right and like the weird thing is like yeah like I've been in India I spent a month there um but I felt like I was a white person in India like that's how it yeah. felt like <laughs> I did not feel reconnected to my culture I did not feel like I belonged there I literally felt as weird as a white person would feel in India you know what I mean yeah I feel like that is like a like a first generation immigrant thing where we all yeah. like go back to our countries and we're like oh yeah. we want to like reconnect to our culture but like that's like yeah, like it is too late in some way. Like you'll never be an Indian no. person in India. Like, no. Which uh, is sad. Like, and especially because like, you know, like I don't speak um, any <laughs> language other than English at all whatsoever, literally. Um, I wish I could. And like my grandma tried. She tried, <laughs> really tried to teach me growing up, but I just absolutely refused. I never wanted to learn it. Because um, like you said, I just, I just wanted to be a white person um I wanted to be quote like normal I wanted to fit in I didn't want to be othered in any way I didn't want to be different in any way um so now yeah as like a 20 year old or however I was when I went to India I was like oh yeah I'm gonna reconnect with my culture and it's gonna be so great and like you know like I'm gonna feel like I really belong and then I go to India and I'm like why do I feel like a little alien like and it's just like <laughs> people would look at me and they know like I'm not from there <laughs> like I can't even blend in even though I'm brown like like people just look at me and like they they look at me like I'm a white person like they know I'm not from there um so it's just like a really weird thing to experience <laughs> um but yeah I feel like that's kind of like one of the challenges that we have to face now is like how do we how do we sort of like reconnect with our culture and like re reclaim those parts of ourselves, like you said. Um, another topic that I want, or a question that I wanted to ask you guys, um, and we'll kind of just have this like as a bit of a discussion, but how does being, and we sort of touched on this a little, um, but I feel like this is a big part of like our struggle in adulthood. So that's why I want to talk about it. Um, the question is, how does being a woman of color impact the way you date or like your dating life, your love life, that kind of thing? Because um, like I know for me, it's definitely, there are different elements to it. One is that, um, you know, like women like us get fetishized sometimes. Is, how do you say it? Fetishize? Fetishize. Yeah, I think, I think that's yeah. yeah, I have no idea. Um, but 
hopefully y'all know what I mean when I say that um but it's just like they like white men see us as like exotic and like um, (laughs) hashtag Priyanka Chopra (laughs) um and yeah like they kind of um just like see us as like um I don't know like they kind of like put us in like their little like fantasy type thing like they want a girl who's like got some culture um and I feel like um I feel like that's definitely one of like um something we have to like navigate in the dating world um like sort of like looking out for that um and like not catching it after like a year of dating someone be like oh that's how you see me (laughs) um so there's definitely that aspect and then um I don't know just like like you said like wondering like are you like like are you into brown girls and like do you see me as your equal like I had an ex-boyfriend who literally told me that he didn't want me to get any darker like I wasn't allowed to tan like so bad honestly Neha that is literally like the worst thing that you've ever said to me I know (laughs) one of the worst honestly I know real bad real bad um why did I date him? I don't know. <laughs> My mom used to say that to me. <laughs> That's her. I draw mom. the line. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. You're right. My grandma used to say that to me too. Yeah, actually. of course. No, because like, yeah, literally, literally as Indians, we reject our own skin. Like, literally as Indians because it's, I mean that's just it's like rejecting like, blackness like it's re- it's ra- it's right. inter- it's our own internalized racism and our own internalized like white superiority like we we don't want to be black ultimately I think it, it's not black I think it's just like it it's like it's the, you know like really relates back to like the caste system in India like the darker you are it means like you're working in the sun and like you know you're at the, the bottom of the cast or whatever you know what I mean <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm a little yeah but I'm sorry that your boyfriend said that to you that's that's Ex, ex-boyfriend uh, yeah sorry ex. <laughs> past boyfriend um yeah that was gross um but yeah I feel like it is really like but yeah like you're right like I didn't I didn't even think of that but like we literally like older older Indian women will literally tell you you're getting too black like you're getting too dark in the sun like it's bad like here take these whitening creams to bleach your skin like literally literally my grandma would give me these creams to like make my skin lighter so like how am I supposed to accept my own skin if you don't even accept my own skin like you know it's just like it's messed up it's so internalized it really really is and it's such a complicated story Mm -hmm. um of just like internalized and like it, it comes down to like racial hierarchies like ultimately and and yeah like it does really back to the caste system as well and but we do have like our own practices of racism within like South Asian communities that Definitely. I think are starting to be talked about more now but I do mm-hmm. think a lot of it comes through with our like with our obsession with whiteness and mm-hmm. like what that means mm-hmm. for us right it is really it's really complicated I think people are starting to talk about it more which I'm which I'm happy about Mm -hmm. um because you have to accept both you have to accept that when you're putting whiteness above everything else you're rejecting you're like you're rejecting everything else you're rejecting the other Mm -hmm. and that's that is racism and it's and like our like it's our parents a lot of us are racist like I know like my grandma like was like don't bring home a black guy ever like there's Mm -hmm. so much racism within Indian communities and it's 
something that's just like only starting to be discussed a little bit more now oh yeah racism is everywhere obviously everyone has their own like racial prejudice um 100 um and yeah and, and i'm glad that it is being it is being talked about more openly now because it's a discussion that sh- needs to be had um but chanel you were just sharing a story with me the other day that blew my mind and i don't know if you want to share that on the podcast or not and i think you know what story i'm talking about wait do i know what story you're talking about can you just give me a hint from high Is school it when it comes to dating yeah yeah with someone you were dating in high school and you didn't know if he was oh yeah, yeah okay okay yeah okay, I'll talk about that um yeah so there's this guy that i was like talking to in high school and like we had i had a big crush on him for like in the entirety of high school and we only really started pursuing it in our senior year but he basically flat out told me like he could just date a white girl and he doesn't see like a point in telling people that we were together um which like shook me a lot and I think it really affected how I viewed things I already felt like I was already conscious about my skin when it came to guys like I feel like that was something that I just needed to like throw out there be like okay well like I'm brown you know like I'm Sri Lankan and like just make sure it was okay which now is like ridiculous um in my head but like he basically flat out told me yeah he was like he was like I don't really want to be like dating a brown girl and that was definitely a fetishizing moment because mm-hmm. I know that he was talking to like another one brown girl at our school as well earlier um in our high school years probably like um when we were sophomores so 10th grade mm-hmm. um but like we were basically like a couple I was telling Nate how I was like I like I consider it like we were but like he was so against it and he was like one time we made out <laughs> and I don't think how this one time we made out like in it was like after hours like no one was really in the school and we made out in like near the lockers and he made us walk back separately like he made <laughs> walk back before him because like he literally did not want to be seen with me oh my god that is so fucked up and I was like literally <laughs> I was like so excited because we had kissed or whatever it was so stupid <laughs> now like, like I didn't even care like that wasn't even like I only realized how like messed up that was like after like way yeah. after I was yeah. like oh my god like we kissed and I'm like oh my god you're trash now <laughs> like yeah it's so different and that made me really self-conscious of like like people like I mean obviously I moved to Guelph after which was very helpful to like talk to like you know like Neha my roommate um was mixed so we had a lot of those kind of conversations as well which I had never had those types of conversations with people so it was really helpful mm-hmm. to me to like you know resonate hear people's stories and like have it resonate with me but it is something that I worry about like I always worry about if people want to date me because they're like because I'm brown like mm-hmm. my past partner I literally I don't know if it would do this now but like I literally asked him out one time we were just like laying down and I was like is it gonna like bother you that our kids are not gonna be white because that is like literally a thought that I, <laughs> oh like, God, I thought he was gonna be like upset about that and he literally was like what he was like he was like why are you asking me that and I was like I don't know <laughs> like it just felt like a question that I need to ask you um and so I think like you can see like that it affected me and then like affected right. relationships because of like how I view other people viewing me which is mm-hmm. a horrible way to think of it because it's mm-hmm. like you need to just live your life because other people are going to think what they think and you can't really change it obviously conversations need to be had like around the world about this because I think people 
often sweep it under the rug and just like don't realize the extent of how it can affect people Mm -hmm. um but like yeah like dating sucks because I feel like for us or at least in my like personal life like I feel like I have to filter so much more through these people that are like either fetishizing me or like right like trying to like figure out what type of brown I am like I I saw this thing on um TikTok and it was this girl and she this guy was like oh where are your parents from it's like one of her she looks very beautiful she's in a sari and the guy had said oh like where are your parents from and she responded back and she was like is this ancestry.com or is this hinge (laughs) (laughs) I literally like thought it was the funniest thing ever and like I've had guys message me being like oh I can make a mean chicken tikka masala you know or like oh I've never Oh, I've never met a girl before. And I'm like, okay, well, you never will because I'm Sri Lankan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's just one of those things. And like, I don't, and personally, I, I mean, people might feel differently about this. Nehan had, and I had this conversation last night, but like, yeah, it's like, do you really need to know like my ethnicity is does that need to be one of your first three questions that you ask me because personally I don't think it does like mm-hmm. I do not believe like if you care that much about my culture maybe mm-hmm. and like if it comes in a respectful way but if you're like hey what's up like where are you from <laughs> you know I'm like okay like so many things matter more like what do I do for a living what are my interests you know right. and one time I met this I it was my um, ex-partner's co-worker and he did not even ask my name. He shook my hand. He was like, are you Dominican? What? Dominican? I, was, <laughs> I have not even entered your house yet. Like, what's oh my going God. on? And I was just like, oh my God. And then again, it's just, it's just like another space where you feel like the odd one out. And I really, yeah. and it's so like, I'm like, like hypersensitive about it. Almost, I'm like, always worried about it like when I'm looking through people's profiles I'm like oh my god they just like look like they wouldn't be interested in me but like based on what I just think like I like I like just think this way and I'm you know I'm trying to like better myself so that I'm not so paranoid about that because like I said like I'm really trying to like get into this mindset of like it really doesn't matter and you'll attract the people that you attract and that's what matters most mm-hmm. um but I look I look so much to like you know like white people and like people that I'm interested in like white men like mm-hmm. you know to like validate me and that's like really pathetic of me and I need to not do that because it's kind of pointless like you, you have to validate yourself um and so that's something that I really struggle with when it comes to dating and obviously it, com- it comes from like men telling me they don't want to date me because I'm brown or like literally like pursuing a relationship with me but not wanting to go public or like right. you know when it's yeah. so hard because you, you know people can like say one thing and act a different way and that's what I experienced in high school like Mm -hmm. I felt like he was interested in me but like the only thing that was like not gonna work was the fact that I was colored right Mm -hmm. and so I'm now like overly worried about that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and it makes sense you know like it's like those things that people say throughout your youth like they stick with you like they really stick with you like I can remember it every single encounter like that that I've had in my life um Mm -hmm. because it just like literally it's just like oh wow like this is how you see me like I didn't know and then you know like you can never really forget that like that's really hard to just like let go um but actually and like Natasha and I have had this conversation a few times um of how you know like 
wanting to be accepted in the eyes of the white man (laughs) and it's it's a weird thing it's a weird thing but it's just like it makes sense when you think about it because it's like you know like in our youth in high school you know like maybe you had a crush on a white guy or like whatever and they're like uh I don't want to date you because you're brown you know like like that guy said to you Chanel yeah um and so like I feel like that subconsciously makes us like sort of desperate for that approval after that um like we just want that validation I don't know Natasha if you want to talk a bit about that because I know we've had that discussion a few times um yeah yeah I definitely like I feel that's like one of the big things that I still have to work through where like I will just be so like happy when like a mediocre white guy just like gives me attention and I'm like right like this person is like like it's it's wild and it's like I like would ignore maybe like a more attractive like person of color yes like but really be glad with this like subpar white guy and like yeah. that is like something that I really want to work so I notice it when I'm on the app it's so deeply ingrained that I'll see it on the apps you know like mm-hmm. just like every white guy gets like an extra look from me and I'm like what white like this person is a loser <laughs> like yeah. this person's person not cool like we yeah. have nothing in common it's like it just like it's so deeply ingrained in me and I do still like feel like I want that validation in different ways and like mm-hmm. yeah it's a huge like step to overcome and I don't I don't like no like I I feel like I'm still like lacking some tools to like really and it really is just like it feels like it's gonna heal you in some way it's like okay like they're gonna like fix that part of me that's like insecure but like they're not like they're absolutely not like there's just more insecurities that are gonna come out of it when you start like dating them like it's it's just like I don't really know I mean I don't think that we should not date them (laughs) no no absolutely not I don't but like not date someone just for like to understand how much of that person and you just want validation from like how much of that attraction to a person isn't even yours like comes right. from your internalized mm-hmm. trauma and experiences right. and I think a lot of times we'll find that it's more than we want to believe mm-hmm. and that it's unpacking that and understanding that and what that means for who you're dating and like why you choose to date certain people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's a hard thing to unpack because like you really got to go into the depths of your mind and like you got to reflect like really really reflect on like why you feel the way that you do and sometimes it brings up feelings that you don't want to go back to and like you don't want to address them and like you would rather just push them away and like continue on with your life but I think it's important for us to reflect on it um yeah because yeah I mean like look like there could literally be like a white dude who's dead ass unemployed and like not even attractive but like why does he have points just for being white you know like that's not that doesn't make any sense yeah I said I think I say say this to you Neha all the time I'm like you know like I'm getting over a breakup right now and I'm like oh yeah but like he liked me and I'm like what yeah. like yeah. that is so stupid <laughs> and I'm yeah. like so excited about this like you know this like ex-partner who is white like liking me like that's that's like really setting the bar low Chanel like yeah 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 and like you literally say to me sometimes you're like what if I don't find another guy who's like into brown girls and I'm like bro like see it like this is this is why we need to have this conversation because it's just like it has affected our 
self-confidence so much, like so deeply. And we really need to address that. absolutely yeah it really becomes a problem but it like I feel like I'm at this point in my life I know you guys were talking about like culture and stuff and I think one of the best ways that we can connect with our culture now is food and I actually Mm -hmm. um we were talking about like how food like grandma's food is always the best so I really made my grandparents write down like a recipe book for me because I do not speak Tamil nor will I ever learn how to speak Tamil because it's like very complicated (laughs) Um, and I don't think I could learn at this stage but um, I've never been to Sri Lanka I think we're trying to go soon Um, so that's like the only thing that I have you know left and I I used to be so ashamed of like Sri Lankan food and now I like love it I like I think my siblings do not like it as much as I they don't like it at all actually but Mm I like it so much I remember my mom used to like pack me lunches that were Sri Lankan food I would not open them I would not open them I would not eat them because I didn't want people asking me what it was yeah like I literally did not want to talk about it oh my god now like the change already like I feel like I'm headed towards this acceptance stage in my life and obviously I was like moving to Guelph really helped me accept my culture but now like out of a relationship like I'm by myself I really feel like I need to part like so much of my confidence is tied to like or my bad my poor self-confidence is tied to like my skin so I really need to Mm -hmm. like accept those things Mm -hmm. and um that's something that I'm working through like obviously in counseling and like through conversations with people Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really important that like who you're dating has those values and doesn't view you as different like you're not different and I Mm -hmm. think it's so hard to filter through those people or even like try to not get knocked down when something like oh like I can cook a mean chicken tikka you know like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. like you're Mm -hmm. just like like why are you talking to me (laughs) and -hmm. like then it kind of like sets you back a little so it's kind of hard to just like push through Mm -hmm. but it's also so important so Mm -hmm. gotta make it work for us (laughs) yeah yeah and I think you're so right about that point about food I feel like that's sort of like the easiest way for us to like reconnect with our culture. And like, I love Indian food. Natasha, you love Indian food. And I do like, now that I'm cooking it. It's like so. Yeah, like exciting. I like it's so good. There's so much flavor. And like, um, I feel like Chanel, we've talked about this too, about how like you were like, um, oh, like my ex-partner, he um he loved Sri Lankan food so much and that's really important to me mm-hmm. because like you know it, it shows me that he's like accepting of my culture and he's like you know what I mean like he's mm-hmm. accepting that part of you and like it's weird when you think about it like it's just food but like at the same time it's not just food like it kind of goes deeper into deeper than that which is weird but because like it is kind of like a central part of our culture in a way um yeah. so like and like for me, like a hundred percent, it's important for me for my partner to um, to at least not dislike Indian food. You don't have to love it as much as I do, but like as long as you don't like, like I think it would make me really uncomfortable if my partner like disliked Indian food. Like I wouldn't know what to do because like that's like all I have of my culture. Like that's it. So like I don't. Yeah, like that was a good point. About. there's so many people who like stigmatize Indian food still too so it is like I feel like it would be really easy to like 
meet a guy who's just like everyone's just like oh it hurts my stomach or like it like yeah it's like no it doesn't like I mean it's fair it probably does hurt some people's stomach (laughs) no but it's like people eat like takeout all the time people eat like I don't know like Cheetos like like, those are disgusting (laughs) I'm just like no the Indian food is like I'm sorry it's not like they're eating like perfectly in other areas like I do think it's like a lot of like internalized stigma about people's food it's like it's like Chinese food and like MSG like that's not like there's MSG in so much stuff like in not just Chinese food and I think people don't I don't know if people I feel like people don't reflect often on like how much stigma they carry with food and so it is an yeah. important factor it, it it does definitely carry a stigma and like like Chanel said like how she didn't want to like open her food at school same yeah. thing with me 100% like I, I absolutely felt the same way um because you don't want to be asked you really don't want to be asked like what is that like you don't even know how to explain it because you don't even know like <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it is like I did not want to like have a conversation about what I was eating mm-hmm. with someone that just like wasn't I was gonna have to like over explain you know mm-hmm. it's just not yeah obviously it wasn't good that I just like didn't eat lunch or like yeah <laughs> like not good <laughs> but like that was my mentality and now I'm like you know helping my mom cook through really good food and it's a lot mm-hmm. different now and I think that that's how it should be mm-hmm. because that is the only thing that, and that's why it is so important to me for, to have a partner that like you know likes you know Sri Lankan food and like will want our kids to eat Sri Lankan food and will cook it with me and like we'll mm-hmm. enjoy at least you know some things because mm-hmm. that is the only thing I have left so if I feel like my partner doesn't like it I'm going to be worried about that and that's something that you know mm-hmm. I'm working so hard to connect with and if they don't like it, I'm going to, that's something I'm going to worry about too. Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Like I, no, I completely agree with that. It's kind of like one of the last things we have left. So it, I feel like that's why it's so important to us. And I feel like, you know, like there'll, there'll probably people be listening to this podcast and not understand it at all. Like, because you know they'll be like you know it's just food but I don't know it does like it does definitely go deeper than that um but anyway um is there as we wrap up this discussion is there anything else you guys want to say about you know like how people like or like how younger women um or even or even like boys honestly like I'm sure like like this is not just a women thing like I'm sure like South Asian men feel the same type of ways um, as we did growing up, like the same type of embarrassment and rejection um, of their culture. Um, That's definitely not just like exclusive to women, to South Asian women. Um, So is there anything like, you know, you would want to like say to someone, like maybe someone who's like, currently in the predicament the predicament that we were in and like like what would like what would you say to your younger self kind of thing um I can yeah so I think something I would say to my younger self is just like not worry about other people's opinions um which I obviously have said so many times in this in this um podcast but like it just doesn't matter and you have to focus on like accepting your differences and not trying to fit in with everyone which is obviously easier said than done Mm -hmm. but I think I could have saved myself a lot of anxiety and fear of not fitting in if I just you know accepted who I 
was and I don't have to do all this like unlearning Mm -hmm. now so I think it's really important to like to value your differences because they make you unique Mm -hmm. yeah 100% I feel like it would be similar for me that I would want to just be reminded that like all of those things like those are gifts and that I that I will regret one day like just pushing all of those away and rejecting them and that those are things that make you special and like those are what's going to help you stand out later on and that's what like ultimately matters um I would also just tell my younger self to leave that you're going to leave Barry and <laughs> everything will be okay it gets better <laughs> yeah and I think it, it hasn't I like all these a lot of these things we've talked about even with like dating and stuff like those don't happen to me in Toronto and that's why I like cherish Toronto as a city and space and never want to leave because it really does make a difference like no one asks me where I'm from ever it hasn't happened to me in Toronto it like happens to me in other spaces and I think like choosing where choosing the spaces that you feel safe and comfortable in and like feel valued in is also important and sometimes that means location and mm-hmm. that's okay mm-hmm. 100% 100% and like I would agree too like I feel like you know for people who are like in our sort of situation I would say first of all seek out inspiration seek out um you know follow people follow women of color um you know like try and like um connect with other people of color because like at least for me that's what really helped me is like talking to people who are also different and like being able to like being able to talk to to someone else about Indian food you know like that helps a lot like when you don't feel like you're like like you're weird like you don't you know what I mean um so like definitely making friends who are and I'm not saying I'm not saying like only stick to like people of color and like segregate yourself like no absolutely not but I'm just saying um if you are feeling like you know um it has impacted your self-confidence um I would say seek out seek out other people that you can relate to um so yeah, is there anything you guys wanted to add before we wrap it up? No, I think that's it for me. Yeah, I think it's it for me too. I'm like glad we were able to like share stuff with each other. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much again for sharing your experiences on the podcast with me. Like, I think it's really brave of you to be able to be vulnerable on a platform like this. So thank you so much for joining me. That was like a really awesome discussion. Um, and that's where we'll end it. So thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far um, and if you feel like this would resonate with someone, you know, I would love for you to share this podcast with them. Like I said, my hope is that this podcast makes its way to whoever needs to hear it. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.